Amen. Right on. We're in this series called What Would Jesus Undo? We've said each week, we all know what would Jesus do. We've heard of that. We saw the bracelet. Um, but now we're talking about what would Jesus undo? There's some things I think if he came back and walked among us right now, he'd be like, ah, we need to fix this. And, uh, and that's, that's good. That's what we ask of him is, is, to, is to lead us and guide us and correct us in things. And so it's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, if he got here, he would show up and he'd really, he'd really fix them. He'd really get them. But I think we need to think of it more of personally. Like if Jesus came back, what would he undo in me? What are some things that I'm maybe doing wrong or got backwards? And so I want us to think about, uh, as we talk about this topic, and it's a topic that we all struggle with, um, I want us to think about, all right, in me, what are some ways that Jesus would maybe undo this in me? And so this week, I want to talk about complacency. What would Jesus undo? Complacency staleness that we carry, this stagnant, this uh, being comfortable in lukewarmness, uh, that we all have this temptation to do, this comfort zone that we try to live in, that, that we say, oh, no, this, I have enough of God. I'm content. I'm happy. I have all that I, this, this lukewarmness. Are you with me? Um, and so this sermon of all of them in the series is probably going to be a little bit like harder and kind of in your face, a little bit more truthful, but I promise you, I've said all these things to myself as I've studied it. You know, God always reveals more to your preacher, to the pastor as he studies, like this should be an overflow from me. So I promise you that God is doing the work to me too. (laughs) Are you with me? I'm not just being like the bad guy who's like, I want to get them and they're all complacent and they're, no, we all are. This it's called America. (laughs) Amen. And, uh, and so I do it and I speak because a lot of churches will avoid the topics that point to hard truths because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to scare one away. We want to make sure everybody's this. And it's a huge disservice to what God is really trying to do here on this earth. And um, it's just, it's the light socket thing. It's the electric, it's my kids are running toward a light socket with a knife. Of course, as a loving father, I'm going to be like, stop this action because I love you. And I would do it harshly, like immediately stop. And, and there's just some things, almost all things in Scripture, are, are Jesus really just doing this, stop this action immediately. It's not good on the other side, right? And, uh, and so I put up this picture this week on my Facebook that I saw, and it says the Americanized gospel and the biblical gospel. You could also take away the word gospel. You could maybe say the Americanized Christianity or Christ follower and then the biblical Christ follower, or a Christian. Um, I think we've gotten a little bit away from maybe the true design of scripture. And no offense to Rex, he's our guy. We're Disney people. I like that guy. But uh, we're going to go see him again. Like, I can't wait to see Rex. He's my guy. No offense, Rex. But that's not the design. That's not what God had in mind when he released us into this earth and equipped us with his Holy Spirit. Are you with me? It's probably a little bit more of the second picture. Now, many of you are like, wait a minute, I've been to that church where that dinosaur... And you know, I'm not saying in a hateful picket sign standing on a thing. I'm saying believing that you have a power, believing that when the scripture says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you're able. Are you with me? You're fully capable. You're empowered to make a difference. Not, I don't like confrontation, <laughs> right? We can get rid of that picture. Thank you for that. And so for us, you know, the, the, the idea of following Jesus and Christianity in America, I think it has gotten very safe and soft. And it's all, what is it, uh, cupcakes and rainbows, right? The old trolls thing, like, oh, it's going to be great, and it's going to be, or whatever her thing is, Princess Poppy sold eight days ago, <laughs> according to my kids or my daughter. 
but we think it's this thing, but really over here, it's, it's, it is spiritual warfare, the scripture says. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Rex isn't going to cut it if that's all we set out to be. Amen. And, and so when we settle for complacency, when we're okay just being like, oh, whatever, and I'm good with not growing, and I'm good with not going for more, it's, it's damaging the kingdom. Amen. Uh, people always say, what's the hardest part of your job? You know, like they ask, what's the hardest part about being a pastor? And of course, there's all sorts of demands as a pastor. And, and you know, you, you have office stuff and, you, it's all, and then at night you have things at night. So you kind of work nights as well and around the clock, all these different things. There's all in sermon content and coming up with sermons and just all the time. They say it's the equivalent to writing several books a year, uh, just writing up sermon content for a pastor. And so there's all these things. But without a doubt, I answer without any hesitation, the hardest part for me as a pastor is to see people settle for less than God's best in their life. To literally choose less than God's best. To be led to the opportunity of all that God has for them, all that he wants to do to them. And then they literally say, no, I'm good. And because of wanting to be entertained by the world or fit in with people or just be comfortable, they literally walk away from all that God has for them just because they, they want to stay lukewarm. They want to stay complacent. They want to stay stuck in the middle. It's the hardest thing for me as a pastor. It's just, you, just, you just look and you're just like, no, you don't understand. If you could just this. This church is five years old now or whatever it is. There are so many people doing so many great things that are such average people. Like if I could get you to see what God wants to do with all of us. We look at people and we say, well, of course God used them because they're this. Well, of course God used them. No, you don't understand. God wants to use all of us in an incredible way. The only person limiting us is us. Ministries birthed out of here from people that just said, you know what? I'm not going to be in the comfort zone. I'm going to trust God. I don't want complacency. I want all of him. And God has taken them and used them for incredible things. I think about our outreach center. It's just an unbelievable and Elena, we love her, but she's very normal. I, I'm just being honest. I think about my life. I'm not even normal, and God is using me. Are you with me? And our children's ministries and all the ways that God is using, all these incredible things. Maddie's in Thailand. She's weird. Like, I mean, <laughs> she's not here to defend herself, but she would agree. She would agree. Half the time she comes and sits in my office with an idea, she sits down. She's like, all right. Okay, now, so I'm weird, but... <laughs> right? <laughs> if I could just get you to see as a pastor, oh my gosh, what you could be. If you would just leave the comfort zone of complacency and settling and excuse, make, uh, excuse making what God would do. And so that's the hardest part of my job is just trying to shake people like, no, you don't get it. If you could just give up that for this, you would be, are you with me? It, it weighs, it literally drains me. Uh, there's things we want to do as a church that we don't have enough money for. There's things that this building limits us that we can't do. All of those things that I face as a pastor are issues, but none of them drain me, like watching somebody settle for less than God's best. It, it, and it's the shepherd heart in me. You know, the pastor is a shepherd, and, and God's heart is of a shepherd. And so what does a shepherd do? It's always leading to better. Come on, let's keep going. Let's keep growing. There's more over here for you. Now come over here. There's more over here for you. It's like the biggest thing that drains me. Why? Because I want the best for all of you. And it's not going to be found in complacency. Are you with me? So for me, you know, uh, I heard this, uh, was studying a little bit about the hot and cold scripture in Revelation where God says, if you're not hot or cold, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you from my mouth. One translation says he'll vomit us. 
You'll be spit like vomit from him if we're not uh, hot. If you're, if you're lukewarm, you just you can't. And, the, and, and really the write-up here, the point of it, one writer says the interpretation of this is like this. It turns his stomach to see his people lukewarm. I could agree with that. That when you look down and you just see people being content with complacency and lukewarmness and not all of God's best, it makes you just cringe on the inside, makes your stomach turn. It would be like this if you've ever been scrolling Facebook and then all of a sudden you see one of those GoFundMes or something like that of a child who's suffering maybe of cancer or an illness or a car crash and you roll and just for a moment you just start to read the details of the, of the, just the, the terrible condition that the child's in. What does your stomach do? It just immediately cringes of just this, it turns your stomach. Why? Because that's not the condition. That's not the, you understand what I'm saying? That's like the, the gut-wrenching thing that Jesus, that God is doing when he looks down on lukewarmness, it just makes him go, ugh, because it's not the best. It's not his design for you. Am I making sense? Complacency is like the worst for God to look down on. Amen. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but I can't handle the middle. There's not much worse than a half-hearted relationship. You would agree. You would agree this lukewarmness is just something that's obnoxious to participate in. If you've ever gotten a season of marriage where things weren't going so good with your spouse and then it became half-hearted and it was lukewarm. There's nothing more irritated than just being in this stale, stagnant relationship. Why? Because you're just saying, look, I'd rather you be in or out, but I'm not going to pretend and do the middle. Are you with me? That half-heartedness is maybe you're a boss and you have employees that... They've signed up to work for you. They say, I want to be a part of this. I want to do this. And in their words, they say it, but in their heart, they don't mean it. And you're trying to lead them and you're trying to advance them and you're trying to grow them, but their lukewarmness is frustrating you. How many have ever had that experience? Because it's hard to work with lukewarmness. You don't know where you stand. We all get very frustrated with politicians. They say, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then they get into position and they just kind of run out the clock and spend the time. And there's this lukewarmness about all the work that they're doing. And we get extremely frustrated that there's not what? Progress. Because like halfway is so frustrating. I can't think of, uh, it's why the term sitting on the fence describes lukewarmness. Because sitting on the fence, being a fence sitter is like the worst thing you can do. It's not comfortable, Right. You're sitting on the fence. You're neither this or you're neither that. You're just uncomfortably stuck in the middle sitting on the fence. It's a terrible position to be. You never have to say, hey, man, you want to come over? We sit on the fence tonight. You want to sit on the fence? Come on over. We should do that. Let's sit on the fence. Sounds good. That sounds terrible. Maybe you sit on fences. I don't know. You guys aren't responding very well. Some of you are like, don't invite him to sit on the fence. But that term literally describes the ridiculousness of being a person who sits in the middle. Are you with me? Because it's, it's not good. Uh, I shared with you a few weeks ago uh, that nothing makes me more proud of my kids than to see them grow and make progress. I, just, I, it's, I love buying them gifts. Uh, I love seeing them happy that way. I love doing things that they love to do that makes them happy. So hanging out and doing their fun-filled events. I love doing all that stuff. But nothing makes me and brings me more joy than to see progress, to see him grow up, to see him take steps in advance. It makes me, as the father, so happy to see them growing. Are you with me? And taking steps. Uh, but on the other side, nothing makes me more frustrated than to see my kids take steps backwards. In the sense of this, my five-and-a-half-year-old daughter knows how to put toothpaste on her toothbrush Okay, <laughs> but there are some nights of the week 
that she says, I can't do it. Parents, are you with me? The thing that we know that they know how to do, they suddenly say they forgot how to do. Okay, I need you to have No, you don't. I know you can do it. Like, you know how to run YouTube. You have like a YouTube page. Like, you were on The View last week. I don't even, you know, like. So, so frustrating to be like, why are you taking a step backwards? Why are you all of a sudden becoming complacent? Why are you all of a sudden saying you can't when I know that you can? You have it as parents, they put their shirts on and like, hey, go down and put your shirt. And then they come up and say, I don't know how to put this on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you do it to hundred, we change outfits 14 times a day. I know you know how to do this. Go ask mom. <laughs> get in the car, get in the car. We're trying to leave. We got all this stuff going. Put your seatbelt on. I don't know. I can't do it. Like, put your seatbelt on. I have to drive and text. I don't have time to <laughs> put your seatbelt on. Figure it out. And, but it's that stuff that frustrates you so they don't get buckled. I just wrap it around their neck and we go and uh, we get there. Most of what I just said was a lie, most of it. <laughs> but, but you know that frustration. As a parent where you're like, why are we going backwards? Why are we stuck? And it's so irritating. It's the opposite of what makes me the most proud. It makes me the most frustrated to be like, why are, why are you taking a step back? Why aren't you believing us? And I wonder if our Heavenly Father is doing the same thing. Why aren't you advancing? You're more than able. I emptied heaven for you to be free. I sent you the Holy Spirit. I said that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Like, why are you still, are you with me? Settling in complacency. Why are we still wrecks when we could be so much more? Amen. I love this scripture in Proverbs 132. It says, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them. The simple, the comfortable, the, the easy, the simple. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. It just describes the foolishness of, of trying to do it easy and stay the same and get away with it. will be your end. Are you with me? I love the Passion Translation, Proverb 132. It says, like an idiot, you've turned away from me. That's what the Bible says, not me. I'm just reading the scripture. Like an idiot, you've turned away from me and chosen destruction instead. It says, your self-satisfied smugness will kill you. What is the scripture saying here? It's saying, look, you, like an idiot, you've turned away from going after God. You've turned away from pursuing him for more. You've turned away from wholeheartedly going after him with all your thoughts, with all your emotions, with all your passion, with all your desires. You've turned from that and you've put your agenda on self-satisfying things the entertainment of the world, the next house, the next car, the next thing. You've put all of your passion into that and complacency and things for yourself, and it will be your end. That's why the scripture says where there is no vision, people perish. If you don't have a vision for what God is going to do in your life, you cease to exist. Are you with me? I love Hebrews 5.11 says, uh, some people believe this is Paul writing. We don't know exactly for sure, but Hebrews 5.11, it says, uh, his writing, he says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear because you no longer try to understand complacency, complacency. It's a people that were once drawing from him and his wisdom and his words from God. And it says, we don't have much to say about this. We're at a hard spot because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God. 
God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. What happened here? They got complacent. They stopped desiring the word of God, the things of God, the ways of God, and they went all the way back to being in a place where they had to be retaught again. And it's frustrating. It's, if it's a challenge that they had then, and it's a challenge that we have now. We settle and we disconnect and we stop trying to understand what God wants to do in our life, and it causes us to go backwards. Are you with me? I love Philippians 1.9. I shared it with you last week. Uh, if you were one of the people who tried to come to first service, we didn't have power last week. Um, so I encourage you to pick up last week's sermon. Watch it online because it was a little bit of an intro to this. And so if you missed it, pick up. But this is a scripture I shared there last week. Philippians 1.9. It says, I pray that your love will overflow how much? More and more. And that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Keep on growing. Like never stop, never settle, never say you've made it. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. The way that you live a pure and blameless life until the day of Christ's return is you be a person who keeps on loving and keep on growing and keep on learning, keep on going after God. Amen. It doesn't say, oh, you get to that point where you can settle and you can be safe and you can put it. It says when you keep on. Amen. That's why the scripture says we go from glory to glory. Faith to faith, you keep going after God. Uh, I thought about it like this. What if we sang songs that described the way we actually lived? And again, I'm not trying to be judgmental, so just don't, don't label me like that. But what if we sang songs that actually described the way we lived throughout the week? We love to come in here and sing songs and get excited and be motivated like, you make me brave, go out on the ocean, I'm going to walk for you, I'm going to do all this stuff. And we love, uh, you know, oceans, you make me brave, we love reckless love, God's going to knock down, we love all the... But what if we came in and we actually sang lyrics that reflected the way we kind of were throughout the week? We came in and we sang things like, keep me the same, I don't want to change. Help my week be so mild, right? And, and, and this playing it safe, God, I don't want too much of you. I'm not going to make any time for you. Are you with me? If, if what we came in and, and said, how we lived, it would be interesting. Now, here's what I want to say. The reason you come in and are motivated by the lyrics about walking on water and bravery and all this kind of stuff is because that is how God wired you to live. He didn't wire you to live safely and securely and in this comfort zone and complacency and keep it all. No, he, that's why you're, that's why you're inner. That's why you're spirit. That's why you resonate with these songs because they're calling you into that kind of life. Some of you may be in here and be like, oh, I'm, I'm good with comfortable and complacent. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with what he's saying. Then why do those songs do it for you? Because it's how you were wired. It's how God wants you to live. Amen? Uh, I love even what we sang this morning. It said, we won't move without you. We're just not going to do anything without you, God. Because we want everything to be about you and pursuing you and going after you. Amen? I love this. Pastor Bill Johnson says, God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your character. Uh, complacency and, and being comfortable and all that, that's not God's priority. Christianity is hilarious because it's, it's the most, Christianity, a life following God, is the place that you're holy and 100% completely designed to be. 
and you're totally safe and you're 100% in the right place, but at the same time, it's the most dangerous thing you could ever be a part of if you wholly give yourself to it. Are you with me? It wrecks your money. It wrecks your calendar. It wrecks your, are you with me? It wrecks your pride. It wrecks everything in a good way, in the best way. Amen. And so he's not interested in keeping you comfortable. He's interested in developing your character to be more like him into the way that he called you to be. Amen. I love it. We say uh, neutral is not natural to God. It's not a thing to God to just be like, we're going to put it in neutral. We're just going to stay here. This is all we're going to do. We're just, we're going to coast. We're going to be coast Christians. No, God is looking for you hot or cold. You're either going forward or you're going backwards, but I can't work with neutral. Amen. That's why we said we don't graduate from faith school. God doesn't call you to something and ask you to be obedient. And then you do it and you're obedient and God gives you a breakthrough. And then you go, boom, I got my faith badge. I don't ever have to be obedient again. I graduated from faith school. No, he's always calling us into it. Glory to glory, faith to faith. He says that he'll do exceedingly abundantly more in our lives. Amen. Always growing, always pursuing. I thought about this. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, I shared this with you several years ago, if you were with us. It's the story of Mount of Transfiguration, where Peter, James, and John go up the mountain with Jesus. And then it says that Elisha and Moses show up. Elijah and Moses show up, and there's this big shining light, and they reveal themselves to him, and it's this really cool, holy moment. And I'm sure they had a keyboard player in the background, like it was a really spiritual thing. And, uh, and so this holy moment, this really big thing. And Peter says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 4, Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And so the idea was, man, this church moment was so amazing. We should just stay in it forever. We should just enjoy these glory days. God did this thing. We graduated. We get this badge. We should just all live here. And basically Jesus' response and the rest of the story is, no, 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 I don't show up in your life and I don't give you breakthrough and I don't empty myself and put my hand on your life so that you could just stay there. I do it and give it and send it so that you can then go turn and give it. So his response is like, you know, you can't stay here. You got something to go do with this. Amen. Uh, and so what the scripture says is basically from then on, uh, through the work of those men, there was a crippled man shortly after that at the gate, beautiful, who was healed. There was a woman who prematurely died who needed to be raised from the dead and then was because of them. And there was a Gentile named Cornelius who needed someone to tell him about Jesus. And they then did and got him saved, which was the first Gentile to ever be converted. A huge work. What I'm trying to say is because they didn't just stay there like he offered, because he didn't just stay complacent or celebrating the good old days, because they left and moved into more of God, greater things begin to happen in their life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Many of us love to look back or put up a tent like he said and go, oh, let's just stay here. Remember how it used to be in the old church days? Remember how we used to do it? Or we'd say this like, oh, I just wish we had more worship services. We need more worship, worship. We just want worship nights and worship. Worship is great. We love worship. It's a fundamental part of what we do here at the church. But there's also a time where we leave the building and we use our hands and feet to make a difference in the community. Amen. We can't just stay here. You can become complacent in just the way that all you do is eat at the buffet of God for yourself. Are you with me? I'll bet that's a good buffet. There's tater tot casserole on that buffet. Amen. No? Hebrew national hot dog, somebody? Amen. Chips and cheese, blue Kool-Aid? No? 
well, I'm not going to your restaurant in heaven. You guys can go to your own gluten-free weirdos. I know what some of y'all are about. We had a baby, and you're bringing us food. I think it's food. I think it's food. Play in. I'm playing. It's all been amazing. It's all been amazing. My wife and I have been fighting over the desserts. She gets up in the middle of the night and feeds our baby, and I can't find those desserts anymore. And that's not a lie. <clears throat> so pray for her and me as we struggle. It's weird because the baby's not even crying and she's getting up in the middle of the night. I'm like, are you just getting up to eat dessert? Eating bread and sweets. <laughs> Why don't we edit all that part out for marriage reasons, Doug? Just don't let that hit online. It could be used against me. So there was much work to be done coming off the mountain. It's the same thing in our life. Like as much as God does a breakthrough or provides for us or does a thing or advances us, amen, praise God. But then what? What do we go do with it? We put up a picture at the same, po- at the same time that we, uh, a few years ago, we were moving to two services. And we were saying as a congregation, hey, we could be one real fun, happy one service. Uh, or we could believe that God wants to do more in us and wants to you know, reach the community a little bit more. And we put up a graphic at the time. I'm going to show you then. Uh, what we put up. It says, what kind of church do you go to? Is it a cruise ship or is it a battleship? You could go to a church that makes your bed and makes your food and makes sure you're happy and makes sure all your things and keep you real satisfied and complacent. Or you could go to a church that has the aim of a battleship. You get in and you say, hey, we're all taking our resources. We're all taking our ammo. We're all taking our breakthroughs and we're aiming them at the enemy to destroy the works of darkness. Amen. I would much rather be the non-complacent battleship than the complacent, let's just entertain each other, let's just have a good time, bless you, bless you, amen, than the cruise ship. We, we have to be at it. God wants us to be a stakeout church, not a campout church where we just camp out in our complacency and our safeness. God wants us to get on a mission and go after him, amen. I'll close with this. If someone can come play. Uh, the truth about our relationship and our righteousness and our pursuit of God is it's your most valuable thing. It's, it's the best thing that you have. Uh, many of us, you look at your assets, you go, oh, we got this house and we got these cars and I find security and this much in the bank and we got all of these things that you treasure. And I take good care of them and I protect them and that's important, all of that stuff is good and, and it's good that you use wisdom and that kind of stuff. But none of it is as important or precious or as much of a treasure as the work of God in your life. Amen. Not just your salvation and not just your righteousness in him, your right standing, but also the work and the plans that he has for you in the way that he wants to use you. Are you with me? They write it out a couple different ways in scripture. Matthew chapter seven, verse six says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before pigs. They trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I believe the meaning of this pearl is is that. It's your right standing with God. It's your relationship with God. It's that work that he's doing in your life. It's saying, hey, don't just throw that thing. Don't cost, don't sacrifice. Don't lose that thing to things that matter. Entertainment, busyness, wrong crowds, wrong things. Don't put yourself in a position where you, you, it gets your pearl, that thing, that, that treasure gets lost among things that don't matter. Are you with me? And so it's saying it'll turn, it'll tear you to pieces. At the end, it'll cost you everything. And one thing, just kind of a leadership lesson you need to kind of learn out of this scripture is this. You need to know 
anyone serious about doing something for God, there's going to be people in your life that aren't excited about what God is doing in your life. Hogs and dogs, people in your life. There'll be relationships that come into your life, hogs and dogs. They're trying to, that's ice cream, right? Hogs and dogs. Oh, I wish my mother-in-law was here. She calls Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Is that what it is really called? What does she call it, Jess? Haagen-Dazs? Jess isn't here, I don't know. Are you sleeping? Okay. <laughs> Haagen-Dazs. Anyway, my pink drink is kicking in. For those of you who have never tried Plexus before, it gives you great energy and bunny trail. If you want to know more about it, you can see many of our consultants in this church. <laughs> Friend any of them on Facebook and be terribly annoyed. <laughs> It's like, I moved to this car in my driveway. Thanks, pink drink. I'm like, the laundry basket's still downstairs. I don't, just kidding. I did the laundry yesterday. Just kidding. <laughs> Man, it's a rough afternoon. Anybody need a home visit today? I'm, I'm available to pray over your home and bless your heart. <laughs> But God's doing a work in you. There's a great thing happening in your life. And then sometimes you get around situations that people will try to trample that thing. They really will. And so you got to be careful what you do. you got to protect the environment of what God is doing inside you. Amen? Get around people like, oh, you're still going to that church? Oh, don't they do this there? Don't they do that there? Oh, I heard this about that. And you start listening to them, and then all of a sudden they've trampled that pearl. And you look back a day later, six months later, nine months later, you've lost everything, and they don't care about you preach <clears throat> Matthew 13 44 I almost started naming names Matthew 13 44 they double down on this again the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field the kingdom of God the ways of God the works of God the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid for joy over, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. He found that treasure in the field. So when he did find that thing, the kingdom of God, the ways of God, this relationship with God, he went and sold all that he had so that he could have that precious thing. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant sinking beautiful pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Why? Because it should be everything in our life not something that we tolerate and it just kind of fits into our complacency. No, we give all, do all, be all for it because it's the most precious thing in our life. Are you with me? Not something we tolerate, not something we allow to be complacent about. Everything else fits around it instead of it fitting around everything else in our life. Are you with me? We got to say no to complacency. We have to go after all of God.